This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. So after the Steelers lost their stinker to the Cardinals a few weeks back, I said they're going to get off the mat against the Patriots because this is what the Steelers do. And then they got pummeled deeper into the mat. So I said, you know what? That's fine. Two two and ten teams back to back weeks never happened before to teams over five hundred in NFL history. I've seen Mike Tomlin. I've seen this Mike Tomlin era in its entirety. Guess what happens against the Colts? They get off uh, the mat. They get the big win. They get right back into the playoff race, uh, and then they lost. So then, of course, Jacob, we make our predictions last week, and I'm done. I'm not going to get We're off over. the mat this We're week. I'm team. I'm We're picking the Bengals. I'm picking the Bengals this week. You're not going to fool me three times in a row. And then they emphatically get off the mat, drop 30 points on my head, win by double digits, and it's a very, very Merry Christmas for everybody at Acrisure Stadium. I mean, you know, just when I, you know, I knew this team always likes to go in opposite directions than what the public thinks they're going. But just when I was ready to jump in with the public and just ride that flow down to the stinking it up the last three weeks of the season, they came out and they had their best performance in three years, especially offensively. Yeah. It was, it was a Christmas miracle. I don't think there's any better way to put it. Oh no, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, there's just no you know tangible way that you can say that you would have expected that to happen. You know, like there's just nothing that you would tell me that I would make me say, yeah, oh yeah, I, I believe you. I'm buying this you. team. I just always that. seems to zig when you think they're gonna zag. And it's never been more the case in these last four weeks, the last month of this season. You go up against two, two and 10 teams, and you think, okay, here it is. Here's the path to the playoffs. You can get to nine and four before the Colts game. Maybe you get to nine and five, and then you can pull off a win against the Bengals, get to 10 and five, and you're kind of smooth sailing to the playoffs. You don't need to win out after that. And then, of course, they lose three in a row. And then Jake Browning, who's got one of the hottest hands in football, comes to town looking for his revenge game against the Steelers after he lost to them in his first career start with the, with the team. And then what happens, Tom? Not only do the Steelers win the game, Jake Browning throws three interceptions and the offense puts up 34 points. This isn't like the Monday Night Football game way back in week two when the Steelers had over 20 points, but 14 of them came from the defense. No, 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 no. Every single point you saw on the scoreboard for the Steelers came via the offense. I really – you were stunned. I, I was left stunned after that game. Yeah, how could you not be shocked? No, no one saw it coming, like I said. And with Rudolph's performance, you start there because where else can you start? Have, have to. 17 have for 27, 295 yards, two tutties. And I think the big one is getting off to such a fast start. His – his first pass attempt in what oh. two years almost in a regular season, you know, dating back to that Lions tie uh, when Big right. Ben was still around. When everyone's last memory of Mason was, oh my gosh, he tied with the Lions, and all he had to do was not throw the ball at the dirt. Th- that's the last pass everybody the remembers, goal. right? Was bouncing right. it to Ray Ray McLeod. Everyone's lasting memory of him, and then what does he do in his first pass attempt since that game, Tom? Bang, eighty-six yards Bang. to the house. Oh, uh, I believe Peter. it's the second longest touchdown pass um, in Steelers history, is what Charlie Batch was saying on the post-game show. Uh, Landry Jones owns the longest. Charlie had the longest until Landry broke it, and then. Mason jumped up in front of Charlie there. So, I mean, 
you want to talk about an explosive play and starting fast, you can't do. Uh, you got about, you know, 14 yards to play with to make it more explosive than the play that you saw uh, from Rudolph to Pickens. So you get the fast start. You get Pickens involved early, which we'll get to in a minute. Obviously paid a lot of dividends. But, you know, as opposed to, you know, he's making all the right passes, Jacob. The accuracy was there. He was able to hit on the deep ball. Just the eye test, the look, his comfortability under center. He looked like he had been starting for years and not some guy waiting on the bench for two straight seasons hoping to get one more chance and and wondering if he'd ever indeed get that one more chance. I mean, this guy looked as comfortable as either of the other two quarterbacks have looked for the Steelers. And, you know, Pickett is still so young in his maturation process. And Rudolph, although he's played less than Pickett game-wise, or it's about equal, you know, he hadn't been – Pickett hadn't been in the league as long as Rudolph has, but right. you just I just saw that comfortability from the quarterback position, that that kind of confidence. And I'm not saying that Pickett's not confident, but just a quiet confidence almost where, you know, it didn't seem like the game was too big for Rudolph at all. In fact, it, it felt like it was moving slowly for him. And and I just don't think you've seen that kind of command, that kind of comfort level under center all year long. No, you haven't. And that's true about number eight and number 10, especially. And that's kind of what's the most frustrating part about this, Tom, is sure you had to deal with the scenario of if Kenny Pickett is healthy this week and we'll learn about his health when Mike Tomlin speaks to the Pittsburgh media shortly. Uh, the, the the Pickett versus Rudolph debate. But he's going to talk I, soon, Jacob. I don't think he's going to tell us anything, though, do you? No, no, no. As no, far no, as the starter is going. He might give it. No, but he might give an indication of Kenny's health which could then give an indication of who could start on Sunday. No, yeah, that's for sure true. Um, I I just think what's going to happen, we're going to just get the whole, uh, Kenny will be trending in the right direction because he was last week. Right. So, you know, they're going to be pleased with his progress, but yeah, I I don't expect a decision on the starter to be made until towards the end of this week. No, 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 no. But we will be given an indication of, yeah, is it going to trend? Is he in the running? Yeah. Right, 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 right. But the bigger debate here, or the the rather the bigger argument that is frustrating that wasn't made in Mason Rudolph's favor earlier in the season was the fact that how could you watch Mason's tape on Saturday against Cincinnati and compare it to Mitch Trubisky's mm. and just leave this guy on the bench for three weeks, Tom? Yeah, that's the debate, I think, Jacob. You know, people want to say, well, Mason's look better than Pickett ever has. Pickett's your franchise guy. Pickett's the, the first-round pick. You're going to go back to Pickett eventually, and I get the right. decision to do that. And we'll, we'll talk about that a lot more in the next episode. But the, the the one that had me scratching my head was, why was Mitch starting for the Patriots game and the Colts game? Why did Mitch come in for Kenny against Arizona? Like, what didn't you see throughout camp for the past couple of seasons in preseasons? that would have let you believe that Mitch is number two and Mason should be number three. And none of us could really speculate that Mason should be ahead of Mitch on the depth chart until we saw what we saw last Saturday against Cincinnati. But now that it has been borne out in front of everybody for public consumption, I mean, I think that is a fair question to ask is, you know, people saying, well, maybe you were starting the wrong quarterback all along. That's probably going a bridge too far. Maybe you had the wrong backup in place this whole time. I, I will entertain that. Oh, uh, you have to, Tom. And I, you know, I'll go one further than you. You know, you're talking about, you know, why did he get the start against New England and why did he get the start against Indianapolis? That's fine. You know, if you want to just say like he was our number two, whatever, I'm not going to agree with that. 
But even so, the first halves you saw out of Mitch, or you want to say the first quarter, or maybe even the first three quarters you saw week after week out of Mitch Trubisky, just wasn't good enough. And what did you have to lose? Your backs were already up against the wall. Yeah, you should have no qualms in benching Mitch Trubisky. He's not part of your future anymore. Right. I mean, he's in the second of his two-year deal with the team. His play obviously doesn't garner another contract or even a gar- uh, a contract extension with the team. He's not going to be playing as a Pittsburgh. I'd be, I'd be shocked to see Mitch Trubisky on the Steelers roster at some point next year. Uh, but in that case, like, or to that point, why would you not just say, you know what, we need to have a change? There, especially when you consider Mike Tomlin, who loves to use a spark to get his team going. He always talks about we need a spark. We needed that spark on offense. We needed to do something different. And you chose not to go for that spark week after week after week. I, 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 the only time I would permit it or I would allow it was against the Cardinals game because Kenny Pickett came out of that game. It wasn't like you had all week to say, should we go with Mitch or should we go with Mason here? And you were left with just a bad situation. You were losing to a bad team with your short quarterback getting hurt in that game. Everything, you know, everything you had written up on the whiteboard all week long has been erased. You have no idea what to do. So I, I'll allow that one. But then he comes out flat against the Patriots. I don't understand the choice to not start uh, Mason in the second half. And then same thing. You know what, Tom, now that I'm thinking about it, against the Colts, because they did go up 13 nothing, but they still entered the first half losing that game against Indianapolis. So maybe they thought, okay, he, he got us 13 points in the first half against Indianapolis. Maybe he can find some fire under him in the start of the second half against Indy. That didn't happen either, though. So, and what happened? They, they turned the ball over. It wasn't his fault. It was Najee Harris's fumble and that first possession of the second half. So it just, it's mind-boggling when you, when you just compare the tapes. I mean, you had many, many opportunities to just evaluate and say, Mitch isn't doing enough for this team to win. We need a spark, and they chose to not go with that spark. Well, the big spark they got on Saturday was number two to number 14. That connection was working early and often. Uh, George Pickens obviously was the uh, ire of much media attention the week ahead of the Cincinnati game for some of his, um, you know, what we saw on film comments, but I was going to say the effort that he showed on film against and then the comments that followed, you know, a lot of people were maybe banging the table, wondering if the Steelers should bench him or not. Um, Mike Tomlin ultimately makes that decision. And he felt that the decision was uh, best for him Pickens and the team for this kid to play and try to continue to grow as an adult. And, you know, you could disagree with Tomlin's decision before the game Saturday, but he was right. And he ended up, uh, you know, probably making the decision that uh, the minority would have made, but it, it, it was one of the reasons why they ended up winning the football game. And, you know, some people might say, great, now the squeaky wheel got the grease and he's just never going to learn his lesson. I don't necessarily subscribe to that because what has Tomlin been very open with us about his conversations with George? Hey, they're going to try to take you away early in these games. I need you to have big second quarters. I need you to not get discouraged if we can't get you the ball and can't get you involved mm-hmm. early. Well, they did get him involved super early in this game. He didn't get discouraged at all. And you saw uh, astounding effort from him in the wide receiver game uh, in the wide receiver aspect all game long. A 86-yard touchdown pass, a 66-yard touchdown pass, an unbelievable toe drag as he's falling backwards for 44 yards. I mean, 
This is exactly the kind of potential you've seen out of this guy and why you just want so much more out of him. And you finally got it uh, against um, the Bengals on Saturday. Hopefully that message started to finally get through from Coach T because, you know, my tone, you remember my tone last week. It wasn't a uh, bench this kid, I'm done with this kid. It was a I really hope this kid figures things out for himself because the talent is so off the charts. He could be a legitimate star in this league. But the only person that seems to be getting in the way of that is George Pickens right now. So good to see him kind of get those numbers, get two tutties, get a win, more importantly. Um, And hopefully that helps build him in a positive direction moving forward. But, you know, Jacob, I'm looking it up after the 195-yard performance. That's in a 1,000-yard season for Mr. Pickens. And he didn't do it in the extra week, so you can't be like, oh, extra week. You know, he did it by week 16. And with the kind of quarterback play this team has been experiencing all year long, it's even more getting 1,000 yards is a pretty big deal for the young man. Yeah, I'm with you, Tom. I mean, it seemed like... I love that I keep calling him kid and young man, like I'm some, like, 58-year-old dude on the radio, (laughs) and I'm, like, 30 years old. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm like, five years older than I mean, listen, kid, you got to really see your future and and, and, and go out and grab it. No one's going to give it to you. Trust me, I know. pull up your boots. I know, from experience. Hold your head held high and everything. No, I'm with you. But seriously, his second year in the league and a 1,000-yard season under his belt already. And with the and as you mentioned, with the quarterbacks, the 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 round table of quarterbacks between Mason, Mitch, and, and Kenny. I mean, Mason, it seems like, oh, well, he should have done that in both of the seasons. But when you consider Mitch and Kenny, I mean, obviously it's it's lesser compared to the compared to the one game you saw to Mason Rudolph. We're not ready to crown Mason the best quarterback of all time after one game. But yeah, it's 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 very impressive uh for any young receiver to hit that mark this early in their career. But it seemed like Pittsburgh was at its wits end for George Pickens in only less than two years with him on the team. And this is the exact conversation we had on Friday. We were talking about the chain reaction of Antonio Brown to Juju to Claypool to Deontay and now to Pickens, how you put it up with it with Antonio Brown because he had the numbers to back it up. He had the performances. He had the strength and willpower to get you those those numbers, which ultimately led to wins. That's why you tolerated all of his nonsense. Obviously, the nonsense became much more glaringly obvious when he left the team versus when he was on the team. But the guy was still a quitter, right? Let's not forget that. He still quit on this Pittsburgh Steelers team. This is why you don't quit on the guy until the guy maybe ultimately quits on you. Hopefully, doesn't get to that point. Yeah, that- because. That's what Jerry Dulac brought up too, Jacob, you know, like, you know, with the AB situation, he committed the cardinal sin of not showing up to practice and quitting on the team. That's why he didn't get to play in Coach Tomlin's eyes. It didn't get to that point with George Pickens. He just said some bad things to the media, but he showed up to practice every day. He was there after the practice ended working hard. Uh, He did everything he had to do as far as a professional is concerned. And that's, you know, that's the big difference in this scenario. Ultimately, yes. And that's why... You know, Mike Tomlin wasn't entertaining, even coming close to entertaining all those calls from Pittsburgh fans or even some Pittsburgh media saying bench pickings or cut pickings before the season's over. I saw some people on the B team saying it was an insult to everyone who had worn the Steelers black and gold who came before George Pickens for Mike Tomlin to allow him to play this week. Are, are you are you still feeling that way? Are you still upset? Are you still feeling sorry for all the Pittsburgh greats who came before George Pickens? Uh, who wore the black and gold after that 
three catch for 195 yards and two touchdown performance. Are you still feeling that way? I didn't think so. So that's, that's, that's why. I mean, you don't cut a guy that can get you those kind of numbers any given week if he has the proper quarterback help uh, to get him there. And, you know, you got to give credit to Mike Tomlin. I think, you know, a yes. lot of people have been, have been willing to kind of throw him under the bus here these past few weeks for not being ready for the 2-10 and 10 teams and then not being ready coming out of the gates against Indianapolis or seemingly being ready to come out of the gates against Indianapolis and then ultimately losing that game, giving up 30 unanswered points. But you have to get credit to Tomlin. Something he did, one of those meetings he must have been in with George Pickens, got through to that young kid. Here we are again saying young kid. Saying you have to believe we need you. We we need you. You know we need you, and we're going to give you the opportunity this week with Mason to do something. I guess we haven't done in a long time, and that's have a big day from a singular wide receiver, and that's what happened. So, as mad as some people still might be at Mike Tomlin for having the Steelers in this scenario of still fighting for a playoff spot with only two weeks left to go in the season. You have to give the guy some credit for getting through to George Pickens. Yeah, I'll give him credit too for, I mean, we expected him to get the team to rally after the Cardinals, after the Patriots. And even though it happened, you know, two weeks later than we anticipated, it still happened. I mean, not every coach in this league can go through a three-game losing streak to some of the teams they lost to and then bounce back in a way mm-hmm. they did against Cincinnati right. with their third-string quarterback, right. by the way, Tom, how starting. Many people did you hear saying, oh, the Steelers are going to lose out now. There's no question about it. Yep, that was very popular. Um, people nationally were saying that might be the best thing for the Steelers to do, to lose out and kind of you know, evaluate things in the offseason uh, with a perspective of not having a momentum uh, leading into that offseason. But, you know, yeah, credit goes to Tomlin, and especially with how he handled Pickens because it was clearly the right way to approach, um, I don't know, the quote-unquote discipline. We don't know what the discipline was because it seemed to be all behind closed doors, but... You know, whatever it was, whatever they discussed behind closed doors in their meetings, it, it clearly worked this week. Let's see if the consistency can start to build with George Pickens, though. And and yes. again, Jacob, because yes. you know, he had a great game and he started off extremely hot. His second play from scrimmage was an 86-yard touchdown. I do want to see Seattle, maybe they frustrate him a little bit, one catch for 20 yards or something like that halfway through the second quarter. You know, will he continue to, you know, show – great effort or will he kind of let that immaturity creep back into him and say, ah, things aren't going my way. I'm going to subconsciously kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit. So there's still a test remaining to be seen there where when he gets frustrated, is he going to, you know, pout a little bit or is he going to, you know, understand what coach T has been trying to get through to him? Like this is going to happen all the time with AB. I would say you might not have a great first quarter, but you need to dominate that second quarter. You need to dominate that third quarter. So, Really interested to keep my eye on Pickens moving forward here. On the other side of the ball, though, Jacob, the splash was back on the defense. And yes. that had been something. And it wasn't just from T.J. Watt, which nope. is what this team needed. What the mo- what's mo- uh, Rudolph and Pickens, you know, they, they're they probably going to get their money at the end of this segment when we do the moneymaker, not going to lie. But the defense, to me, was the most impressive part of this game because of the skeleton crew that you had at safety and inside linebacker and a team in Cincinnati that had been scoring points in bunches. They were like the sixth highest scoring offense in the NFL in the past three weeks since Browning had really taken over. And you held them to just 11 points and they looked lost for the most part. And you forced them into some big weighty turnovers uh, in the red zone with Patrick Peterson making the interception, Eric Rowe, Mm -hmm. another guy coming off of his couch, 
making his impact felt. Now, Eric Rowe had the interception. He also got torched on the T. Higgins touchdown play. play. So, I mean, a little give and take there from Eric Rowe, but... You know, I, I get it when you're coming off your couch. There was also another play. Miles Jack came in for, like, I think it was his first or second play of the game, and he blows up the play in the backfield, just took the wrong angle to Joe Mixon and completely missed him, and he mm-hmm. went, like, for four or five yards. So, I mean, a little mm-hmm. rust there between those two, but they both made big plays. Miles Jack, I mean, this guy was eating ice cream like me four weeks ago. Right. Now he's the green dot. Now he's calling the plays for the Steelers' defense. So kudos to him, Eric Rowe, Patrick Peterson sliding to safety. I mean, this was such a ragtag crew, and the effort was insane, and the results were insane too. With multiple turnovers, only 11 points allowed, the Bengals couldn't run the ball to save their life. Uh, just really masterfully done from that Steelers defense, who having Cam and, and, and Watt help, of course, but they were certainly shorthanded. Definitely. I mean, Tom, there's going to be trivia games held at Pittsburgh bars throughout the city in years to come. And the last question with all the money on the line will be who was on the Steelers defense on the Christmas, what Christmas Eve game or Eve eat with an Eve, Eve game. Eve, Eve. Yes. Who was on the Steelers defense on the Christmas Eve, Eve game when Mason Rudolph torched the Bengals 34 to 11. That's the ultimate test of Pittsburgh sports knowledge. If you can name those guys who are on the field, because there are people who are watching that game who have already forgotten those names. Like you mentioned, Eric Rowe. I mean, McCall Walker is a guy who had a big day just because he had to. Not necessarily a great day, but you saw him involved a lot just because once Landon Roberts went down early on, he had to be involved. I mean, he was going to be involved anyways just because he was the next guy up behind Landon Roberts. But once E-Rob went down... You had no choice but to turn to Miles Jack and McCall Walker all day long. Eric, guys like Eric Rowe in the secondary. Um, It's just, it it was such a world. You felt so panicked. At least I know I did when the injury report uh, about Elena Roberts came out that as soon as he came out, everyone was saying, okay, he is immediately doubtful to return. And you thought, okay, well, there it is. Despite this really great play to start the game uh, from Mason to to uh, George Pickens for 86 yards, you thought it's not going to be enough. This team's going to fall, come out flat. But the defense really stood tall. Three interceptions on Jake Browning. This guy was almost perfect. I mean, w- we were saying all week long he's second in passer rating to only Brock Purdy in the entire NFL with a minimum of, a, of 100 pass attempts throughout the season. This guy doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't take these deep shots. And what happened, Tom? The uh, the Patrick Peterson interception in the end zone was a deep shot. I mean, that may have been the biggest boneheaded play. It was play a bad play, yeah. On either side of the football. But that that's what you do. That's what you have to do. You take these guys who are inexperienced and you force them into errors that they weren't already making. And that's what the Steelers did. I mean, on that play where Pat Pete had that pick in the interception, I saw Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith all chasing Jake Browning. And I thought... How scared for this life must this kid be? Because he's got three of the baddest pass rushers in the NFL coming at him all at one play. And I'm, I'm assuming that's what led to that interception. But the Eric Rowe pick earlier in the game, I think it was the first interception of the game, really set a tone saying, we're not just going to let you do all these short dump passes uh, to the running backs. We're going to make you throw the ball down the field and we're going to th- make you throw it into tight scenarios and Eric Rowe came up with the first we know Pat P came up with the second excuse me with the second and eventually the Steelers got their third pick of the day 
And the pass rush all day long. I mean, there were plays where everyone was screaming at the TV. There was holding on TJ Watt. There was holding on Alex Highsmith. I like to contend, Tom, that the sack that TJ Watt got on Jake Browning early in that game was worthy of getting two sacks. Because one, he was held and still got the Browning. And then he somehow got back up and forced Browning to the ground. I, I just think the NFL needs to consider giving <laughs> T.J. Watt two sacks on that play. Well, he got a forced fumble on that play, too, to add he to did, the resume. Right. Uh, unfortunately, not recovered by the Steelers, but that still counts as far as the stats were concerned. Um, yeah, before I get to Watt, one thing I want to say, Pat Pete playing safety. I like that. Wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more yeah. of that. Uh, maybe a Minka-Pat Pete tandem in the back there next year. Wouldn't be... I uh, wouldn't be opposed to kicking the tires on that one. Uh, I remember, uh, I think Mark was actually the one who was saying, Rod Woodson, he asked one time. We all know Rod Woodson's corner, great corner, goes to safety at later portions of his career. Helps the Ravens win a Super Bowl, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, no, we don't. <laughs> he, he, Rod Woodson said, yeah, going from corner to safety is not that hard. From safety to corner is like trying to, mm-hmm. you know, go from Earth to the, the moon, but corner to safety isn't that much of a transition. Pat Pete's going to have a gold jacket on his shoulders one day, just like Rod Woodson does. So I wouldn't hate Jacob seeing that transition made. I'm sure you wouldn't uh, be opposed to it. And hopefully we see it for the remainder of the season as Pat Pete playing safety. And that's no, something they wanted to toy with be... all year. They just, I don't think they, exactly. they had the depth at defensive back because Levi, ugh, he's fallen off a cliff. I mean, they were just forced to have Pat Pete play on the outside. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Of course I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that because we were told by Mike Tomlin and Pat Pete, and even guys like Mika Fitzpatrick who were involved in the secondary throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, saying, oh, yeah, this is something we've been toying with all camp long. We really like the idea of it. We really like the concepts behind it. We're definitely going to use it. And guess what? We haven't really seen it up until kind of this week when they absolutely needed to just because of the lack of depth overall in the secondary. We're going to get to TJ Watt in just a little bit, but before we wrap up this episode, Teddy KGB finally, finally is able to pay that man his money this week, and it's deservedly so because what a resounding win by the Steelers over the Bengals, 34-11 to in Akershire Stadium's finale of the 2023 season. Um, There's a lot of people you could go with for a change. You know, usually it's just one obvious choice, but you could really pick about four or five guys, defensive or offensive, I'll be cliche because that's the, the kind of guy that I am. I don't like any surprises. I'm going to give mine to Mason Rudolph. Pay that man his money. The, first of I all. Don't, I don't think it's cliche at all. It is cliche because who else are you giving it to? I mean, first of all. But, but, but like how unlikely of a hero is that? I, I don't think it's cliche to pay that guy. And his name's Rudolph, and it was two days before Christmas. I mean, it was right out of a Hallmark movie, and they're singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in the stadium after the game ends, the sing-along version. is. It was just right out of a central casting. And, and on top of it all, you know, for a guy like Mason Rudolph to know – this is last chance saloon. If I fail, I'm probably not even a backup in the NFL somewhere. I, I gotta get a front office job. Maybe I'll go back to college and do some coaching. Like I, I don't know. But I gotta figure out what my life's work's gonna be. Instead, you know, I don't think he's gonna be a starter anywhere. But there ain't no way the league is gonna let that guy leave when they need a backup quarterback no. now after no, no, seeing no, what he no. was able to do in that game. So I mean, great for him for really extending his career. Um, it might not be in Pittsburgh, but that kid's going to be a number two somewhere uh, next year. For sure. And he'll get, you know, with the way we've seen the league unfold this year, what Mason Rudolph, I believe, is like the 54th or 55th 58th, quarterback. I believe. 
something it's something in the high 50s right to start at uh, the NFL this season you know he's going to get a shot next year too maybe he'll be coming in as a backup but it doesn't matter he i i would be shocked to see Mason Rudolph not going to start next year unless he's playing behind some kind of iron man whether it's Jalen Hurts or whoever that'd be the only way i i'd see him not going to start but I think it's well-deserved. I'd, I'd mirror you if, if we could, if we could just give it to one guy. But there's another guy that we can't ignore, and that's George Pickens. Just give him his money. Pay that man his money. I mean, a career, I mean, just not, not a great day, Tom. That's a career day. Yep. This isn't just a, day, a great day for a young kid, second year in the league with not so great quarterback play. Any receiver who has ever played in the NFL – We'll look at the stat line, four catches, 190-some yards, and two touchdowns, 196 yards, I believe. Yep. Any receiver in the NFL's history would look at that stat line and say, that would be the greatest day of my life. And he got it in his second year of, of the, in the league. Let's hope that's not the best day we ever see from him. Let's hope we never see those, number, we never see those numbers again. Let's hope we see something similar year in and year out while he's on the Steelers. Uh, but I mean, you cannot deny, especially given what he went through this past week after drawing criticism from his lack of effort on the touchdown, uh, or I'm sorry, not the touchdown, but the run in the end zone, Yes, uh, that he was supposed to be the lead blocker for Jalen Warren. And how about this time? I'm sure you noticed two plays by Jalen Warren. One was in game. One was out of game. The, uh, Calvin Austin run Mm. touchdown run. Mm. Mm. You know, I saw a lot of people say, uh, tweeting out to Kyle Brand saying, I know there's no such thing as angry blocks, but if there ever was one, you know you'd give it to Jalen Warren, your favorite guy in the NFL right now. And the second thing I'd like to point out by Jalen Warren is on Pickens' second touchdown, the first guy who met him in the end zone was none other than Jalen Warren. Just showing like he's the ultimate team player. Uh, I think he's go- he's already a fan favorite, Jalen Warren. As long as he stays in Pittsburgh, I'm sure he'll remain. Uh, one of the ultimate fan favorites, but I got to give some credit here while we're giving credit to George Pickens, some credit to Jalen Warren as well. That offensive side of the ball is desperate for some leadership and Jalen Warren has put some leadership on display uh, certainly throughout this season. And especially last week, I think it's a great shout out from your end. We're going to talk about TJ Watt. We're going to talk about the debate that everybody's going to be talking about though, throughout this week, Rudolph or Pickett, who would you start? So we'll get into both of those Mm. topics next You're listening to the Steelers Standard.